another edition of horrifying my friends with me travis yabara joining me tonight is my co-host Catherine. <laughs> hello and uh joining us for the first time is Lori. say hello hello world so we've been spending a lot of time with Lori. uh laurie's been watching a lot of movies with us and stuff we've kind of been quarantined together like uh with uh I'll let I'll go ahead and let you introduce yourself, but yeah, we've kind of been watching a lot of movies and stuff together, so we've been introducing her to a lot of stuff. So she may be a uh, she may be a guest coming up here pretty soon as well, like for something else. But uh, Lori, go ahead and introduce yourself, where you're from, and like maybe any stories of like seeing horror movies growing up or anything. Wait, like before that. you do, make sure that you. Um share why you're quarantined together i think our <laughs> listeners are going to be confused right, right but i wanted her to be able to share that yeah <laughs> yes okay i'm Lori. um i am so fortunate because i get to date katie a roommate of travis and rose katie kerr, katie kerr. <laughs> um and so we have been able to watch a bunch of movies together i've been seeing the old batman movies i am a self-proclaimed rom-com fan so um, the older superhero movies and the horror movies are new to me, but I'm enjoying them thus far. Mm. I always have a lot of questions. Sometimes I fall asleep. But um, <laughs> I do I do really um, enjoy the one that we're going to be talking about today, and we saw the sequel yesterday. So mm-hmm. I'm a first grade teacher. I'm from um, Northwest Indiana, the region. And um, the most recent horror movie I saw in theaters was actually The Ring. So that was a long wow. time ago. Wow. <laughs> that was a long time a ago. A long time ago. I was scared. I brought a jar of hot a hot fudge into the movies to like help calm me down i had <laughs> nightmares for like a week and um i just have a weak stomach so that, so, that like, movie's spooky as fuck too. <laughs> like there's a lot of like uh i was talking about doing that one with step coming up at some point because step was like dude I, I don't i like i don't know if i've ever seen this or not and i don't remember it being this fucking scary because we like started watching it downstairs do you remember that movie though? Like that oh, movie the ring did scare when I was a teen, especially like it was super scary to me. Yeah. Scary now as fuck. it doesn't bother me as much, but yeah, yeah, hell yeah, that was when I was like, nope, I'm done with horror. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Here I am giving it one more shot. But yeah, she's been getting a uh, her uh, daily dosage really of horror <laughs> over here. We, a lot of game nights, a lot of horror movies and stuff. Uh, the movie that we are talking about today is 1984's A Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, now, before I say this, I did, I have a lot of fast facts and shit about this movie. I did cut some because I didn't want this podcast to be fucking five hours. <laughs> so before anybody starts like contacting me, like you didn't even talk about how Wes Craven directed porns and you know, shit like that. Like I get it. But this was like daunting to me because Nightmare on Elm Street is a huge fucking franchise and stuff. And Freddy Krueger is a huge fucking character, as you both know. But uh, anyway, let's go ahead and get some uh, basic facts about the movie. Uh, so it's A Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984, directed by horror master Wes Craven. Um, everyone knows him for the, from the Scream series that we all love. Uh, the Hills Have Eyes, Deadly Blessing, a favorite of mine. The Last House on the Left, 
uh, Shocker, People Under the Stairs. Cast for this movie, Heather Langenkamp as Nancy. Survivor Girl Who Fights Back. Uh, in my opinion, a top five scream, scream queen. Um, she is kind of a badass, even in this movie. Like, uh, as they're setting up the mythology and stuff, she's making these traps and stuff. So I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Kind of like your typical, like, girl next door, too. Like, she wasn't, you know, super, like, super, super pretty. She was pretty, but anyways. Uh, Johnny Depp as Glenn. Yeah, uh, introducing Johnny Depp as Glenn. This um, is really his first role? Yeah, this was his first role ever. Well, in a movie. He does look like a little tiny baby. So a quick little like story. It was down, the character of Glenn, the casting was down to Depp and some other guy. And it was actually Wes Craven's daughter that was like, dad, Johnny Depp. And Wes Craven <laughs> wow. was like, are you sure? Like he's scrawny and looks sickly. And she's just like, he's beautiful. Uh-huh. But that was like a quick little story about like, <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, John Saxon as Lieutenant Thompson, Nancy's father. Who you guys were calling Silver Fox the whole movie. <laughs> Katie was. Uh, I don't like him at all. <laughs> uh, synopsis. A murderous spirit of a slain child murderer seeks revenge by invading the dreams of teenagers whose parents were responsible for his untimely death. Which I thought was very spoilerific. <laughs> okay, so let's start with the facts. So, to start with the facts, you need to start with Wes Craven. All of these were taken from po- Postmortem with Mick Garris. Interviewed with uh, Wes Craven a couple years back. Uh, Wes Craven, unfortunately, passed away in 2015. So this was before his uh, passing. And uh, from the documentary Never Sleep Again, which is amazing if you guys haven't seen that. Wes Craven was raised in a very strict fundamentalist family. Fundamentalist. Is that how you say it? Family in which... Fundamentalist. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, In which watching most movies was considered sinful. Uh, He saw his first movie other than Disney stuff, as a senior in college. Damn. He went to see uh, To Kill a Mockingbird and said to himself, if this is a sin, then they are wrong. He taught humanities and English in college, which is why I chose this movie, because you're a teacher. That's awesome. And met Sean Cunningham, the director of Friday the 13th, uh, got a job editing and helping with dailies. Dailies is like daily shots that you need to uh, construct the movie. Uh, working with Sean. He wrote Last House on the Left in two days, and then it all goes from there. To Hills Have Eyes, to Writing and Directing Swamp Thing, to A Personal Favorite Deadly Blessing. Number two, Origins of a Nightmare. So this story is actually based on something that Wes actually saw in the newspapers. Um, Wes read a story in the LA Times about several kids in a few um, like Asian countries, I think it was like Philippines and stuff like that, who were dying in the middle of their nightmares. In this particular case, the kid complained that if he went to sleep, then he's sure that he would die. The kid's father was a doctor, so he gave him sleeping pills. The kid stayed awake for two straight nights, but ultimately fell asleep. His parents carried him up the stairs and put him to bed. Sometime later, the parents heard screaming and then ran upstairs to find the kid thrashing. The kid died before they could get to him. Afterwards, the kid's parents found all the sleeping pills that they had given him hidden in the bed and a Mr. Coffee in his closet. So that's where, like, all that shit comes from wow. in the script. The writer and Wes took over and started asking questions like, what was this kid afraid of? Like, or maybe who was this kid afraid of? Why didn't these kids, like, want to go to sleep and stuff like that? Um, which brings us to creating Freddy Krueger. Wes Craven tells a story from when he was a child. This was um, in the Never Sleep Again documentary. Uh, late one night, he heard a mumbling and crept to his window to view and see what was going on out there. 
Uh, down on the street, he sees a guy with a hat on walking, and the man notices him and looks up. Uh, young West jumps back, as one would, and returns to the window a few seconds later, only to see the man still there and making big eyes at him, like, like kind of just like to scare the kid. The idea that this guy enjoyed scaring a kid with a sick sense of humor stuck with West, like for like all time, obviously, because that was he was a kid when that happened. He's mm-hmm. like, what kind of guy likes to scare a kid like that? Yeah. <laughs> um, casting Freddy, uh, Robert England, a notorious, you know, famous actor because of this. Uh, younger than Wes wanted, but Robert brought a serious swagger to the role, a physicality. Um, he, Robert England actually described it as a James Cagney-like gangster stance. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see that. Yeah, you can really see that if you watch that shit. Uh, glove was heavy, like the glove that they made for him was heavy. So as you see, he incorporated that into his stance. You can see that on this little doll here. Oh yeah. He kind of hangs with a fucking like. Yeah, the fish. the arm with the for the yeah. people who can't see what we're looking at right now. <laughs> yeah. Like the the arm that has the the claw hand or whatever on it is like kind of always down yeah, further. Down, yeah. So that's just like kind of part of his swagger kind of thing. He brought a lot of that to the role. And another thing was the the claw going and grinding on stuff. Like that was all Robert England, wow. which I thought was really cool. Uh, the special effects, which Katie actually mentioned on the way over here, I did. Uh, was done by Mark Wilson, Mark Shostrom, and Louis Lazard, uh, among others. And uh, I just wanted to take note of like the iconic shots in this movie, like iconic special effects. We have Freddy's makeup which is like all like revolutionary at the time like mm-hmm. it looks fucking awesome uh freddie's glove in the tub that comes between nancy's legs is like a really creepy like a uh, uh, set piece and stuff uh freddie's long arms which that toy actually comes with long arms that oh. you can like put mm-hmm. on it <laughs> that looks kind of hokey that you yeah that, 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 that part hokey. looked hokey yeah. i could have done without that <laughs> <laughs> the tongue phone which i want um <laughs> The Freddy coming through the wall, which I thought was fucking dope. I love those scenes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tina's death, which was inspired by Fred Astaire in a royal wedding when he dances on the ceiling. I oh, thought that wow. was pretty cool. And, uh, of course, Johnny Depp's character, Glenn's death. Those were both done in a rotating room, which literally, like, rotated. So the, what they did was they dumped, like, gallons and gallons and gallons, like hundreds of gallons of blood in the bed and then flipped it. And let the blood, like, pour out. Oh, wow. And it, like, splash. And, you know, of course, like that. And the last thing I had on it was the theme. Uh, Charles Bernstein. Uh, the Nightmare theme has to be one of the most recognizable. Uh, up there with Halloween Jaws and The Exorcist, I would argue that. Dun, 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 dun. Um, that was no- tone deaf. But, anyway. <laughs> the uh, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Uh, oh, that we yeah. all heard on a yes. playground. Uh, somewhere that was actually written by Craven and they say it was actually helped it was actually helped along by the the guy that Heather was dating at the time which they didn't even give a name like they were just like yeah my boyfriend at the time helped Uh come up with that as well so anyway that's the facts that I chose to provide for this movie so what do we would you want to get into the plot maybe like your guys's initial like uh feelings about the movie maybe the plot and stuff yeah can we do a round table let's start with Lori. Lori, hit me with some of your notes and stuff about the plot so i um really liked um the movie i thought that it was um captivating through and through i uh 
really wanted to know what happened next, and I kept making predictions that were completely wrong. <laughs> um, it had some really good, like, one-liners, like, um, how could there be room in your joint for four letters? They were talking about his wiener. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They had a couple, like, um, quips like that where I thought it was funny to see some of the women clap back at the men and whatnot. Um, but as far as um, the horror itself, it was – definitely suspenseful um but manageable for someone like me who doesn't watch a lot of horror movies it wasn't um as gory as i thought it would be of course the death scenes were pretty intense um but i understand why they're there um i liked that it was like a teenage one like female heroine like mm-hmm. who saved the day she was so fearless and see and i forgot ha- that part yeah like that she set up all those fucking home alone traps and shit yeah. i got something to say about that but i'll wait till later <laughs> <laughs> I just liked her. I thought she was, like, uh, a really cool character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, I don't know, the parents in the movie were just trash. And The mom was, was hilarious. <laughs> <Yeah>. drinking vodka. <laughs> like. Well, she has a, and she murdered someone. Yeah, for sure. She's got to bury those feelings yeah. deep with her boots. For sure. For <laughs> True. sure. True. Um, I, I liked, um, because we did watch the second one, and I won't get too much into that yet, um, but we watched that sequel yesterday, I liked knowing the backstory of why Fred became Freddy Krueger and the the reasons that, um, you know, his origin story I thought was really interesting, and I think they mm-hmm. did a really good job with that. So, overall, I thought the movie was, I mean, 10 out of 10. It was definitely... Um, Ooh, it was <laughs> It was... I know you didn't ask for a rating, but yeah, I'll give it to you. Anyway. <laughs> I, I get these ratings. Just they, There's no sense to my rating. Yeah. I, just... <laughs> I don't know. It's 10 stars or you know, whatever, but... Um, Ten scary like knife fingers, whatever you want to call it. Uh-huh. Um, but it was it was a really captivating movie. I was I was into it the whole time. I was really wanting to know what happened next. Um, yeah, so it was cool. I was I would definitely want to continue watching the series and learn more about Freddy. Oh, that's what we like to hear for sure, yeah. for sure. So we did like spoiler alert. We did watch the <laughs> second one, and I was like, it would be cool because the second one has like a big time like a uh, LGBTQ theme it's impossible would you agree to oh, ignore for sure. like theme is impossible to ignore yeah so i was like june is pride month what if we had Lori kitty kerr maybe we'd have my brother try to phone in we can do and that you for can sh- watch that oh yeah but yeah anyway so kate you said that you had seen this before when you were a teenager yes what did you think about this viewing okay so i'll tell you as a teen when i saw it it scared the crap out of me like i really this really did scare me as an adult not scary obviously uh-huh. um it's just it's not the kind of thing that scares me now but i thought this stood up i feel like it stood the test of time the effects i thought were great this is what trav you would call like what the practical effects yes um yes. and i think so some of them like trav said the arms the being really long were kind of hokey but i loved i loved pretty much everything else like the stretching through the wall as as the oh, as the incredible. person as the as the teen is like, sort of dozing off and like falling and so he is stretching through as they're falling asleep i thought that was really cool and anyone not to interrupt you but if anybody ever wants to see the difference between practical the effect between practical and fucking cgi watch the (laughs) shitty remake and watch that scene on the remake when he comes out of the wall and he's like like fucking he looks like a like a genie or something Um, anyway, no, this kid. this was the way to do it because like I saw that and I was like, wow, that looks like it could be in a movie now, you know, mm-hmm. like made today, you know. Mm-hmm. So I loved that. I think plot wise, I have a lot of questions about the ending, mm-hmm. yes, which I'm sure was intentional, but I think it's also 
just intentionally confusing so well, you that get you, into the ending if you I, want i don't want to can... jump i don't want to jump to it but i have issues with that and then i have some issues with some like timing and some of the way some of the scenes are written should mm-hmm. i mention one? Oh yeah go ahead um so it has to do with the booby traps so okay. she's <laughs> okay. so um at this point for the listeners who if you haven't seen the movie just pause this episode go watch the movie and come yes. back um but it's totally worth it but anyway <laughs> leading up to the climax of the movie right she nancy is her name mm-hmm. nancy uh has yelled she's barred in her home because her mom put all these bars on the windows and the doors mm-hmm. so she's like literally can't get in or out and her mom is drunk and passed out on the couch glenn has just been killed um across the street her boyfriend who lives across the street and so all the cops including her dad are over there and so she is calling and yelling out and she's like dad she finally gets him on the phone at glenn's house and she says dad in 20 minutes i'm i i'm gonna go i'm gonna get him i'm gonna get freddie i'm gonna get him to come here in 20 minutes come here and and he's gonna be here and you you need to catch him you need to help me Mm -hmm. and he's like okay sure honey he doesn't believe her so he's still looking good not believing her though right yeah let's be clear (laughs) (laughs) here's my problem is she's like yeah dad in 20 minutes even if you assumed 25 minutes Mm -hmm. it's not enough time for her to have set all those booby traps, fallen asleep, <laughs> found Freddy in the dream, yeah. and pulled him into yeah. the real world. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way that happens in 20 For minutes. Sure. She literally, they show her screwing in uh, a lock on the door. She literally would have had to drill pilot holes into the door and then, <laughs> and then, and then screw in this lock and measure and shit. And then yeah. she would she would have had to, like... It just would have taken so much time to sell these booby traps. And just, I feel like, couldn't they have just said, Dad, come over in 40 minutes? Or like- <laughs> Katie, don't you know everything's possible in a montage? Wasn't that a montage when she was setting up everything? Yeah. It was yeah. just like, <laughs> yeah. it was the 80s. It was quick. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of what I mean. It's just like right. little things like that, that could easy fix in the script could have made it more believable. But mm-hmm. um, again, I'm not so offended by it that it makes me not love this movie. And then I just wanted to point out one quote, just as an old lady, because I'm 30. Go ahead. <laughs> Wait, am I 31? I'm 31 now. You're going to be Ugh. 31. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I am 31. But Nancy is so like sleep deprived, right? Mm-hmm. And she looks in the mirror and she says, oh, I put it in quotes in my notes. I was so offended by it. <laughs> she said, oh, God, I look 20 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We laughed yes, at that, too. Yeah. Oh, boy. Let's, uh, let's talk about the ending. And then we'll go. We'll swing back around and uh, cover themes because I think themes I want to take a, a big like chunk on. Okay. Mm-hmm. So cool. let's talk about the ending. Like what worked, what didn't for the ending with you? Yeah. I'm uh, interested in Lori's take. Yeah. As let's... someone seeing it for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So I was. I was. Um. I thought it was vague. Um. I think it was intentionally vague. Mm-hmm. Um. But I was. I wrote down. Was it a dream or not? Like mm-hmm. the car had like Fred's sweater, and then I know the <laughs> yeah. hand came out. Yeah. And then the mom was just, like, chilling on the porch again, drinking and stuff. So. Oh, I love yeah. how she got sucked through the window. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. So that then... part used to fuck me up as a kid, man. Like I was that... not expecting yeah. that. Um, so I, I I, don't know if I can um, give a that good of a description of the ending. Besides that, I, I did write. I wasn't sure if it was all a dream or, um, yeah. I'm going to get your take, and then I'm going to explain... Uh, some info behind the ending. I, I was hoping you would have it yes. because I'm so confused. So okay. here's kind of what happened for anyone. Again, if you're listening and you have not watched it, pause this and go watch the movie. Um, but anyway, at the end, 
so she has pulled Freddie into the real world. Mm-hmm. She's smacked him up good. He's running around the house after her. And he ends up being on fire, runs upstairs. And then they realize he's upstairs, lay basically killing her mom, right? He's on fire on top of the mom. And when, when she and her dad get up there, the dad throws a blanket on Freddie and the mom, like, to put out the fire. And they sink into the bed, theoretically. Like, I mean, so okay, I, I have no clue what happens. Yeah, there. so I, so I'm meant to believe. So I'm sitting there, and I must believe then that they have sunken right. into the dream world the or something. world, or because he it, clearly yeah. has some kind of power mm-hmm. to go in and out. Yeah. So he must have taken her into the dream world, is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're in a bed. Beds are where people sleep. The mom, right. the mom was probably passed out mm-hmm. asleep. Um, so maybe because of that, he was able to shift in. I get that. That can I can reason that in mm-hmm. my head. So here's where I don't, I can't understand. So her dad leaves, or well, I don't know where he goes, but she's she must have fallen asleep or something. Her dad isn't that upset about her mom going away either. Yeah. So, which I thought was like, yeah. <laughs> I noticed that too. So right. So this is this is where like I think where you were confused, Lori, mm-hmm. and I was too, because she. She realizes, well, maybe I'm not actually in. I didn't pull him into the real world. Maybe I'm. This is all still a dream. And she turns her back on him, mm-hmm. like the little proverb or whatever said. And she then opens this door and then walks into. I don't know. Is it another dream? So were they in the real world? And she was. She opened the door and sort of walked into a different. So the ending is confusing. I'm, I'm really and confused. And there's then... history behind it. Okay, because yeah, tell Wes's me. Because Wes's ending, what, there was a big like argument between Wes and the producer. So the producer ultimately got his way and wanted like them to drive off in the car and shit and all that stuff. Wes's original ending wanted Nancy to walk out into the sunlight. And as she's walking out with her friends, you're meant to think like, oh, maybe this was all a dream or something. And then the camera pans right and the little girls are like uh, jump roping and then the movie ends that was that was Wes's original idea is what he said on um, uh, never sleep again like it was supposed to be like almost like a ambiguous kind of like okay so you don't know kind of like inception kind of thing yeah. where you're like you don't know if she's in the dream or not but like the girls being there it's like obvious mm-hmm. but yeah it was messy because the producer like wanted to have a sting of an ending kind of thing and mm-hmm. Wes didn't necessarily want that yeah, I thought it was it, having Freddie appear at the end. I mean, he didn't appear appear, but like his voice is there. The car is, you know, it just was confusing to me. I'm like, even if this entire movie is a dream with dreams within dreams and, and all this, mm-hmm. that I can I can make sense of. But there is something about. Something about the end, the way they did the ending, that just wasn't so oh, very sure. sad. It wasn't very satisfying, <laughs> yeah. and I'd venture to guess the other movies don't have in this in this franchise don't have super satisfying endings. But because yeah. I feel like at that point it is a franchise, and they're just like, okay, we we got to leave it and that's vague thing. so yeah. that we yeah. can have another movie, <laughs> right? And that's another thing they didn't know what they had on their hands. So when this blew up, it's like we got to get another movie and. You're like, um, Nancy isn't in the second one, as you saw, but she mm-hmm. is, she returns in the third one. Oh. Yeah. I know. And Rose mentioned that to me in the car that. and that made me more confused about the ending. Cause I was mm-hmm. like, they made yeah. it seem like they drove off in the car and she's gonzo dunzo killed with all of her friends. Right. 
Yeah. But obviously that didn't happen because she's in the third one. <laughs> yeah. Well, now we have to watch it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's get into some themes. So what were your guys' themes or do you guys want, do you want me to start like with some of my themes? Because I think uh, what's, you start. Yeah. I think what sets this movie apart to me from the other slasher films, and I would categorize this as the slasher film most definitely, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. it goes a tad bit deeper. Like, there's, there's a little bit more going on under the surface. And I think that's, like, the Wes Craven, um, like, the fact that he was big into, like, Shakespeare and English and all this other shit. But I think he just brings, like, a charm to it. And, like, he's a really deep guy. But I think some of the themes that this movie, that say, like, a Prowler or a, like, any any other slasher movie is, like, the sins of the father come back to haunt the the sun mm-hmm. and stuff there's a mm-hmm. lot of that stuff into this like um the uh, and obviously like the mistakes of the prior generation come back to haunt and then the invasion of privacy like if you think about the freddy cougar character a little bit it's like you literally he is a child molester and they sh- kind of shy away into that in the movie like they yeah, don't they outright... call him a murderer yeah. right and that's because i think there was a big trial going on at the time and they didn't want like added attention to that mm-hmm. But yeah, he's a child molester where that you literally can't escape from. And in a way, like the way they put it in Never Sleep Again was like really, really chilling in that like, imagine like the invasion uh, that Freddy could do. You literally can't get away from him. And when you dream, he invades your dreams as well. Mm-hmm. And that's a really, really creepy idea. Right. I mean, it's kind of a commentary on like PTSD and... Right. Once that kind of trauma happens to you like it follows you everywhere mm-hmm. you you never get rid of it you right. can't even escape by sleeping which is yeah he, yeah he, typically a restful for sure thing. right and then you like you have these ptsd kind of dreams which is another question i had i was like is this just like that about the ending right mm-hmm. i was like is, is she just walking into some kind is she you know did they kind of get rid of him in the real world yeah. and then she's dreaming again and she this is a ptsd kind of dream in the car yeah um but i've since realized that's not probably what they were going for for sure and then there's like the uh the the topical themes of like adults not quite understanding and just saying like you know get some sleep like yeah. stuff like that but uh did you guys pick up anything else like as far as like a uh, theme goes or anything like that I would say those are the big ones. Um, yeah. I have one, but Lori, do you, did you have any? I just picked up on um, just having like the teenager as like the hero and like her fearlessness was mm-hmm. just like a little like a kind of a cool homage to feminism at the time. I think um, mm-hmm. that was one of the things that I had written down was that I I loved how she was kind of the mastermind of what to do and she told Glenn you know stay awake and even though he didn't mm-hmm. homeboy could sleep everywhere yeah. <laughs> yeah he could sleep anywhere <laughs> and everywhere he was always sleeping but um yeah I just like that I felt a connection to that as being born in the 80s the 80s baby and um that was kind of a cool thing I wish I would have seen this as a teenager so I could reflect back as the nostalgia of it all but seeing it as an adult I really uh, connected with that and with her character as just being just so fearless and right uh, yeah what are they called final girls yeah for sure scream queens yeah Mm -hmm. final girls um yeah i i love i love a a strong female character especially a young one that you know survives but at the end of this you're left on not knowing if she survived but anyway (laughs) um still she was tough and i appreciate that and she was resourceful and smart um so the one thing i kind of 
wrote down, and this is after seeing only a few other really um, 80s, 90s slasher mm-hmm. films, is why do the girls I have, or the teens at all, like girls or boys that have sex, always have to die? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Nancy, is, <laughs> Nancy is like 100% virgin. They, they allude to it too many times for yeah. me to believe anything mm-hmm. else. Because Glenn is her boyfriend, and they're listening to Tina and her boyfriend. What's his name? Rod? Uh, fuck. What was I think it's name? Rod. Yeah, something like that. Um, Yeah, it's Rod. I wrote it down because I said he, <laughs> Rod. I said he Rod. looks like friggin' Danny Zuko. He's acting like Danny <laughs> Zuko, but he's Rod. Anyway, yes. the Tina and Rod are having sex, and Glenn is listening, and he's all pissed off because Nancy was like, it's not about us, Glenn. Um, and then he's like, morality sucks. And she yes. has her. So mor- there's the morality reference. She's got her cross all the time. Yeah. She keeps saying no and pushing him away. Um, so I think like she's she's the only like virgin and like moral, quote unquote, moral teen in the movie. She doesn't die. Literally all of them. All the other sinners do, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and I this is not just a problem with this. It's not a problem, I guess. It's a choice. But I see this a lot in 80s slashers, especially. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and I would argue like um, that Wes, like when you look at Wes Craven's filmography, he kind of fixes that with Sidney Prescott. It's like he mm-hmm. created two of the best scream queens, but it's like Sidney Prescott's being such a badass, and in the second one, she is sleeping with people and stuff, and she can still fight off the killer. But yeah, I agree. Like, <laughs> like especially like in the Friday Thirteenth movies, it's like if you sleep with somebody, you're dead. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like it's like this like you smoke weed, you're dead. This, this hidden mesen, mes, message to all the oh, teens yeah. yes. seeing these movies, like don't have sex because you're gonna get killed. <laughs> oh yeah, promiscuous is, is not the way to go. You sinners, you wanna die. And I think that touches on the uh, adolescent fears. Uh, theme as well like I wrote down much like It Follows I think It Follows took a lot from like uh, uh, this and like a few other movies the dichotomy of the grown ups and the teens Mm -hmm. like how the grown ups just don't understand Mm -hmm. and now that like uh, they created a lot of these problems for the teens and stuff I thought that was like really 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 cool Mm -hmm. I guess that goes along with the sins of the fathers thing but right but I feel like I guess if you're a teen watching it then you're seeing it as like Oh, the parents just don't understand. The thing is, the problem the parents have been there. They've been teens. They do kind of understand, but it's written from the perspective of teens mm-hmm. and to the teens, and they and they have these parents acting like the teens think they are, mm-hmm. rather than acting like probably how the parents are. Mm-hmm. Um, like for instance, I thought it was weird, <laughs> and maybe this is just a result of her mom. I don't know. Tina's mom's not an alcoholic. Um, well, maybe Nancy's. she is. Yeah. Um, but I'm thinking of T- no Tina's mom. This is in the, one of the first scenes. So Tina. Okay. Okay. It comes in. Tina's having a nightmare. Right. She mm-hmm. gets her clothing gets slashed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her nightgown. Um. Her nightgown. And her mom comes in, and what did she say? She said something like, "Oh, Tina, honey, you've got to cut your fingernails, or you've got to just stop having nightmares, or something." Right. <laughs> right. right. Like, it just, it's not a thing even a like a mother of a teen would say. Right. And. There's a lot of this apathy about their kids written into these movies. That's just not true to life, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some families are like that. Some parents are dismissive of their teens because they're worn out by them or whatever. But I think most parents, if you see your kid in that much distress, are not going to just... I don't know. Maybe most is an exaggeration. Or it's like maybe not true. But I would like to think most parents would be like empathetic and... Yeah, have a sure. have a different like a better response, but again, this is the '80s. Maybe there. 
different generation of parents i don't know for sure so let's go around and give our favorite scenes like are there any particular scenes like you you brought up the maggot scene that like really creeped you out and stuff (laughs) but give me like your favorite scene as well okay so i have a couple that i kind of like starred um Katie Kerr um, noticed that when they were um, when they were in the school, the hall monitor was also wearing the Freddy oh, Krueger yeah. like oh, red yeah. and green color scheme, and I was like, "Oh, good one, babe!" Like she, no running she in the caught hallway. that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like that one. And then I also um, the the tongue through the phone one that that scene made me like like yell a little bit. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was, like so surprised. It's so creepy. It was so creepy. I would put hell not. And then um, it made me think of that chris brown song that's called kiss me through the phone but not, <laughs> not quite what i was thinking um uh, and so i that was a really memorable scene um i like i said i i enjoyed the movie um thoroughly like from start to finish but those those two scenes especially when they're at the school being a teacher i had a connection with that school security was really lacking back in the day um the maggot belly creeped me out oh. and then um the tongue through the phone were like some of like the ones that really jumped out at me is like wow that's like iconic and like really um, memorable scenes for me yeah how do you feel about the teacher after nancy has literally had a total freak out yeah. in the classroom <laughs> and leaves how do you what do you think about the teacher being like um but you need a hall pass. Right. She, yeah. <laughs> she's just um, seen, like, her, she shouldn't even be at school. She's yeah. had this traumatic experience of seeing her friend brutally murdered and, and bloody. And she was, got burned, and, right? Yeah. Like, she, she was, yeah. The teacher didn't know that. Yeah. But, like, she clearly <laughs> had an episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the teacher's like, you need a hall pass. Lynn Shea, yeah. by the way, from The Conjuring and the uh, Insidious series. So that's kind of like a little cool, like, connection. There. Oh, yeah. But what were some of your favorite scenes, Kate? Okay. I have a few start here. So I loved Tina's death scene. Oh, yeah. Um, where she's up wild. she's up on the ceiling being thrashed around, sliced, blood's going everywhere. I thought, like, wow, this this is really well done. Like mm-hmm. That's still legit, like, scary, too. Like, yeah. that mm-hmm. scene is fucking scary. Yeah. I think Tina acted it really well. Yeah. Like it, yeah. She could have been really over the top with it, and I think... It was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or she could have undersold it. Really, that was probably that would probably be more of the risk. <laughs> um, so I love that scene. And then I start a couple others. I've mentioned how I like how Freddy stretches through the wall. He does it twice in this movie. He stretches through mm-hmm. Dreamland, I guess. Oh, the scene um, where Glenn is murdered. He like falls through the bed, <laughs> oh, yeah, and man. like the blood just gushes up. Yeah. Um, that reminded me a lot of like the massive kind of sort of blood wave of blood uh that comes through in the shining oh yeah I don't, um so it gave me vibes of that i don't know which came first the shining was the 70s shining. right shining was 1980 1980 yeah. so just almost yeah um but yeah it gave me that kind of vibe like all that blood it's oh, almost yeah. like kind of what i was waiting for this whole movie because mm-hmm. like it was like a pretty like bloody kind mm-hmm. of move gory movie but that was i was like oh damn that's <laughs> um so i those are the ones that i uh, wrote down in my notes is really catch so you attention. touched on my favorite scene. My favorite scene is uh, the Tina kill. And um, that whole scene, like when she's getting chased and stuff, I really like too. Like I like a couple of Freddy's quotes where he's like, he puts the ni- the glove up to his face and he's like, this mm. is God. Like I like that <laughs> shit. But yeah, you touched on mine. Like I think the way Tina acts in that scene and stuff, and that was of course a uh, revolving room as well, where she's like really on the floor and stuff. The way she acts in that, like, totally sells it. And I think it's, like, one of the most realistic, uh, like, kills and stuff in this movie. Like, 
that I was like, fuck, this is like really scary. I think you got up to pee like during that part. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, this this part's like legit scary. Yeah. Well, and, I think it's, is that the only scene where as the viewer of the movie, you are seeing what per, a person in the real world is seeing as someone's dreaming and being killed? Uh, Is that the only scene? I don't. I'm not sure. I think so. Because you see that a lot of, sense, of yeah. like parents or friends kind of waking them up before they've yeah. been killed but i think mm-hmm. that's the only one where you actually see what it looks like in the real world mm-hmm. when they're her dying boyfriend was in the room mm-hmm. was he the only one that saw he was the only yeah one that saw i think so happened. yeah he's yeah. the only one that saw and then they came in after and they're yeah. like oh, and he runs away yeah i also like this and this is just like a minor scene but <laughs> i like when she's like I can't remember whose face. Is it Tina's face that he puts up to his own face? And he's like, Nancy, Nancy. Like when he's through the door and he's like, Freddy's here or something like that. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, what but, do we, what do we think about Freddy as a boogeyman? Oh, I, he's I think creepy. he's the, I would argue he's the first rock star boogeyman. Like, because if you look at this year, 1984, Michael's been in two movies. So you could argue him. Um, but Jason, I think part three is 80, part three, I believe is 83. So Jason has just been introduced, but I would argue that as far as like his, like his, not his ego, but like kind of like his physicality of the role, like his talking and wisecracks and stuff. I think that's why it's so hard to remake this franchise Mm -hmm. because you can't really replace Robert England. Like you can put anybody like has been long said, you can put kind of put anybody in a hockey mask. You can kind of put anybody behind Michael Myers' mask. Yeah. But to replace his like personality and stuff would be really, really hard. Yeah. It would come off like a bad impression, you know? Right. And I, I think it could be done, but like if you got a legit director, like the remake, it had like Samuel Bayer as the director or something. And he's a joke, but. <laughs> he is. I mean, he directed like music videos and shit. It's like if you if you got a legit director, I think it could be done really well. Like a Mike Flanagan, the dude that did Doctor Sleep. Mm. I know he had a pitch for the new one, but it's like, dude, just do it. Like, we need Freddie back in the cinemas. I don't mm. know if they would want Robert England or back or not though. So you don't you didn't mind you like the the humor he brings to it and like the. I think it's like um, like during what parts in this one. Like when he's like, watch this. Kind of, yeah, I mean, kind of yeah. any of the times yeah, yeah. when he's, I mean, he's really just kind of, what's the word? He's showing off. He's to, a comic book character. Yeah. He's showing off to his victim, right? right. And he's like, I, like I'm, pl- I'm playing with you right now. I'm going to play with you and then I'm going to kill For you. Sure. Like, right. And so I get it. I get what they were going for. And I think it. I get why it works for a lot of people. But I just really... It took me out of being scared. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't like the the jokes and the and the humor because to me it didn't make him more scary to me. Yeah, it may it took me out of it and maybe like okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like if he was more menacing or if when he was he just there's something that didn't meet the eyes maybe mm-hmm. when he was telling his jokes. I feel like there's a way to like tell a joke but to say it in a way that it's like saying a joke right now. Mm-hmm. But you're scared shitless. Yeah. And when he would tell the jokes, I would just laugh. You know? yeah. I don't know. Not to say he's bad at, at this role or anything. Mm-hmm. He made this role. He's made this franchise. So I, I'm, I get why a lot of people love him as a boogeyman. But um, yeah, it just kind of took me out of it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and he gets like um, the second one. I would say he's not as jokey. Mm-hmm. Like he's pretty serious in that one, but he gets way jokier. Like as the movies go on, like there's always a one-liner and stuff. They're like, we gotta give the people what they want. <laughs> well, and that's another thing, like um, that I think stand. Well, I know helps this franchise stand apart from. It's not my favorite franchise. Like spoiler alert, uh, out of the three, out of the three big ones, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, and Friday Thirteenth, but. I think this one, they even like uh, start out the mythology in this first movie, which I didn't really remember because toward the third one is called Dream Warriors. That's like the best in the series, in my opinion. But, they, you know, it's like kind of like these kids learn that they can fight back and stuff okay. or like like if you can dream it, then you can kind of make it a reality. It's kind of like a stra- not like a Stranger Things kind of thing, but. Like, for instance, like, if you dream that you're a powerful character and stuff, that can be uh, uh, useful against Freddy, mm-hmm. kind of thing. You can, like, they, lucid it's dream yourself like into being able kind of to... Thing. Yeah. Oh, cool. The third one's kind of, like, very much kind of like that thing, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, yeah. But they, it kind of goes into more into fantasy or kind of stuff, like, later on as the movies go along. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Lori? Like, how much, like, have you seen Halloween and Friday 13th in those? I haven't, so Boom. I don't have a ton of... <laughs> I don't have a ton of experience. I so, think his mannerisms are creepy. I think that he... <laughs> Lori's like, I don't know what the fuck <laughs> you guys are talking about. I his makeup he's... is creepy. His voice is creepy. He creeped me out. I thought he was a great <laughs> boogeyman. I, um, I, th- I, I thought he uh, he embodied Freddy Krueger and made it uh, what it is today. I'm looking at this uh, bobblehead tra- Travis has. It's creeping me out <laughs> as we speak. But just, um, just, you know, just the mannerisms. And, I mean, you definitely... I've never seen any character like that in a movie before. And, I mean, I'm a first grade teacher and I see kids dress up as Freddy Krueger today and that's what 30 years later so yeah and you like holds up see the jokey stuff like is scary to me because it's like I remember oh he's a pedophile Mm -hmm. so like and the thing is like if if, like me I have not seen any of the other movies Uh so I didn't know he was actually a pedophile like I Uh knew he was a child murderer and you can make a lot of assumptions about what a child murderer is doing right but there's something about him saying these things to a teen that's not scary. Mm-hmm. But if you were saying them to a little kid, would be terrifying. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can see that. So that maybe was the disconnect for me. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. No, I feel you on that. And it's probably just a style thing, too. Because, like I, I, like, I personally don't think Freddy Krueger's, like, that scary to me. Like, I think I've always been, like, more afraid of, like, Michael Myers and stuff. But that's... Freddy Krueger fucking creeps out. It's kind of like the Pennywise thing. Like Freddy Krueger is kind of like the Pennywise, kind of kind of deal, where he's like joking around as a clown and stuff. Mm-hmm. But that just fucking freaks people out. Yeah, like, yeah, clowns to me are way scary. Than burn up, burn <laughs> so up. Clowns have never bothered me. <laughs> like that's the thing is like uh, Danny Hagen, like fucking uh, it, like is number one on his list because it scarred him. Like he tells me yeah, about it all the time. Clowns are fucking scary. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I don't it, like clowns. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I'm not too fond of them myself. No, mm-hmm. no. We can go around and give our final ratings and stuff like that. Lori, yeah. we'll start with you. Yeah, would you recommend yeah. like any? I alluded to ten out of ten um, on the uh, watchability <laughs> factor, being that there, um, there's a lot of storylines that are um, easy to watch. 
And then the ones that are a little bit more difficult because people are getting killed are um, meant to be there and they're really intentional. Mm -hmm. So I think that they um, go with the story well. I think it flows really nice. Um, the ending is a little bit um, intentionally vague, but I think in a way that's kind of nice, like alluding to like the next couple of movies, which I'm ready to see the third one. I would absolutely recommend this. Um, as someone who is not a huge horror fan myself, I'm kind of like bought in and kind of need to know what happens next. So oh, it was good. definitely a good. It was definitely a good choice. That's track. the <laughs> mission of the show. Yeah. So I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, want me to go? Yeah, go ahead, Kitty. Um, I would give this. You know, I always do things out of five. Um, and as our listeners, if you listen a lot, then you know my ratings are basically based on like how entertained was I. Whether or not it was good doesn't matter, but if I if I enjoyed it, you know, you're gonna get a three. Um, but this one, I would give like a, f- I would give this like a four point five out of five. Really, like, it's one of my higher rated movies I think that I've done on the show so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the point it loses its point five because of some of the just easy fixes to that script that mm-hmm. I'm just like the the timing on the booby traps. There was a, a couple other things like. The, placing the electrodes when she's getting her EEG like on her chin and stuff oh, it's not yeah. where they go like these are just silly little things that yeah like just that, fix yeah. it yeah. um and then uh, of course the ending is really confusing to me which I know could be confusing and these can be a choice but like I'm not sure it makes much sense at all um no matter how I've tried to like understand it but mm-hmm. um, I think that's all pretty trivial when you look at the movie as a whole it's like so good Mm -hmm. and it really does stand up and you can watch it at all different phases of your life and and find different ways to appreciate it which i think is pretty pretty dope yeah i would give it like a three three out of three and a half out of five to a four out of five um i don't think it's the best in the series i think that's part three i haven't seen them Um, so it's not fair (laughs) i'm interested to see what you guys think like I know you've seen the second one. Yeah. Uh, I love the second one, but part three is like awesome. It has Lawrence Fishburne and stuff. And oh, cool. um, I reserve the right to change my rating of this movie once <laughs> I've seen the other one. No, and, and this is a classic movie. I mean, let's face it; it's the first one's a classic movie, and that's this is a lot of people's like favorite movie in the series. But in my opinion, the third one's better. But yeah, I I think it. Um, I think Freddy Krueger is a character that'll like never go away and he stands up with Frankenstein and mm-hmm. Jason and Michael Myers and the Wolfman and like he's a new monster like a, he's a group in these 80s monsters and stuff and I think he's really really influential to a lot of other slashers like uh, Rose brought up one uh, that we saw in Terrifier um, it's a newer movie but you can take like a lot of his mannerisms you can tell that he was a big Freddy Krueger fan he grew up a big Freddy Krueger fan but I enjoy the humor. I enjoy the horror. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what I think about the series. Like, I think the series is fun. Mm-hmm. But the third one's really, really where it's at. Awesome. Like, I think that's an awesome movie. And it and, and it has a song from Dokken, the great 80s metal band. Ah, but wouldn't know. Anyway. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's... Um, some more quarantine time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Lori. This was a, this was a blast. Um, this is this movie. Like I said, this movie is really fun. Uh, thanks as always to my co-host Katie, yeah. co-host yeah. slash producer Katie. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> we really got to start calling you co-host because you're like you're I on like every pro- show. I like producer Kate. Producer <laughs> Kate, like Roz and uh, Fraser. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> 
I but, love Roz. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, as, as always, you can find us on uh, Twitter at HorrifyingMF, uh, Instagram at HorrifyingMyFriends, Facebook at HorrifyingMyFriends. Uh, you can hit up me, uh, Travis Ibarra, on Twitter, Instagram, t- Facebook, really, and email us at HorrifyingMyFriends at gmail.com. Mm-hmm, that's that right. right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're on all platforms, so check us out. But anyways, that's yeah, it. Yeah, subscribe and review us. Your reviews really do help. I guess us show up when people search for horror podcasts. So the more of you that uh, know and love us, please review us um, for sure. And give us five stars. <laughs> that'll that'll close us yep. out. With that, thanks, Trav. Thanks, thanks for, for introducing me to the wonderful world of Freddy Krueger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so well, glad that you like these I movies did. and that you're like kind of a fan now. Until we does. until we return to Elm Street. <laughs> That's it. Stay tuned. Hey, future Travis here invading your ears. Uh, one of the things I really wanted to uh, start doing on the show, like I did with Nick Cutter's The Troop, was recommending books and stuff that I'm reading. Uh, I'm a big literature horror literature fan as well. So this week's book is Children of the Dark by Jonathan Jans. Uh, anyone that's familiar with horror literature and stuff knows that Jans is a pretty big deal right now. Like he he's he's ever rising, but he's like huge right now like in the horror community and i think like any fans of stranger things um even like like if this is tag i think the episode this is going to be tagged on is nightmare on elm street any fans of that like any kind of like kids on bikes and there's a monster out like kind of set this is actually set in indiana too which i think is cool but i'm gonna go ahead and read the synopsis on the back it's will burgess is used to hard knocks Abandoned by his father, son of a drug-addicted mother, and charged with raising his six-year-old sister, Will has far more to worry about than most high school freshmen. To make matters worse, Mia Samuels, the girl of Will's dreams, is dating his worst enemy, the most sadistic upperclassman at Shadeland High. Will's troubles, however, are just beginning, because one of the nation's most notorious criminals, the Moonlight Killer, has escaped from a prison and is heading straight toward Will's hometown. And something else is lurking in Savage Hollow, the forest surrounding Will's rundown house, something ancient and infinitely evil. When the worst storm of the decade descends on Shadeland, Will and his friends must confront unfathomable horrors, unfathomable horrors. (laughs) Everyone Will loves, his mother, his little sister, Mia, and his friends will be threatened, and very few of them will escape with their lives. So like I said, this book is like, awesome like if you like anything like Stephen King's uh the body stand by me is the movie that they made on that um anything like that like uh, kids confronting something creepy and stuff like fans of stranger things need to read this book um but yeah that's all for the uh book recommendation it's an awesome book uh Andrew Bolt uh Bub you know whoever's listening if you're a big Stephen King fan you need to check out Jonathan Jans uh immediately Uh, As always, thanks for listening.